from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. It's 5 o'clock. Time to get in the know with the biggest sports stories of the day. Here is your daily download. Hit it. That's Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. We're going to give you the daily download thanks to Geico. you got a number of ways that you can save on car insurance. Give them a call at 1-800-947-AUTO. You can go online at geico.com or stop by the Geico office nearest to you. Let's get it. Well, the last person who leaves, please volunteer to play in the Pro Bowl. It's not football this year, Joe. They have a skills competition. There's flag football. But you still need quarterbacks, right? Today, Baltimore Ravens backup Tyler Huntley, who threw four, two touchdowns in yeah. six games, yeah. was named to the Pro Bowl <laughs> roster. Uh-huh. It wasn't for a lack of trying, of course. Patrick Mahomes was supposed to be the starter. Yeah. Not available. Josh Allen with an elbow injury, out. Tua Tungavailoa with a concussion, out. Justin Herbert, shoulder, out. Lamar Jackson, knee, out. Joe Burrow, out. That has left them with Huntley, two touchdowns and three picks on the season. Derek Carr, who was basically cut with two games left by the Raiders. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence, wonderkin of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If we understand that the... Pro Bowl is no longer the Pro Bowl as we know it. It's it's the games. There's a skill competition. There's a flag football. The Manning event. brothers are involved. Yes. Then we probably have to go about how we vote in Pro Bowlers differently too. Sure, but <laughs> Tyler. Like, I know. I, I guess it's it. better than Zach Wilson. <laughs> or Russell Wilson. Oh, that'd it was be, better than either of the. That'd Wilsons. be good. That'd be good. Yeah, I don't know what to do, man. I don't know what to do there. I'll be curious to see how the ratings are or if the NFL is just finally giving it up and they hope for social they media. They basically engagement. have, yeah. Like, are, how? I think we all have to understand how you measure engagement with your sports product has changed, right? The NBA is really big on this. You know, people will point to television ratings about the NBA saying, well, clearly it's not as popular as you think it is. Well, it depends. TV ratings aren't the only way you can gauge interest, and they'll point out that the NBA is the most active community on Reddit, that the NBA is usually the thing that dominates social media discussions. And you see these daily talking head shows on ESPN that revolve around that. So there's a, there's a lot of content factories for the NBA, and the NBA leans in on that to point to interest. So maybe the NFL has to look at it differently. We can't win on television for everything, so maybe we can win some social media love with these games. Something to keep an eye on. Next up. One of the four, all of the four, or half of the four. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline covers the NHL for Bleacher Report, Open Ice, Too Many Men Pod. It's Sarah Sivian, our old friend. Sarah, how are you? Oh, the oldest friends and the best of friends. I'm fabulous. Just took you down in Miami for the All-Star game. How are you? I'm good, although the, the weather up here is not quite Miami we'll do that right now. Although I feel like this past Sunday, uh, the Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes were the friends we made along the way. They clearly have not forgotten <laughs> their prior playoff appearances. It got spicy again on Sunday. I know. From the jump, it was so loud in PNC Arena, and the Bruins are, I would say, slumping three losses in a row, first time all season. So, good for the Kings. I'm surprised that the uh, the Bruins didn't get in on the Bo, Bo Horvat uh, speculation. You know, I mean, if you lose three in a row, you got to upgrade, right? 
Yeah, season's over, but they've been in on a few things, actually. I'm just like, the Bohat Horvat situation was a shock to me, and I feel like no insiders even had that. So let's actually let's actually talk about that because with Max Pacioretty going out with another injury and he's he's effectively done for the season best oh. we can tell it's it's brutal I mean the whole situation is brutal uh, it put mm-hmm. the Carolina Hurricanes in a position where you got your midseason acquisition in Max Pacioretty you don't have to worry about the trade deadline too well. We kind of we might need to add a guy. So you know, Bo Horvat yeah. was one of the first things that came up because of the Jim Rutherford situation. Maybe he's a sleeper agent. Maybe they can take advantage of that. Obviously, that did not pan out. So, do you see the Carolina Hurricanes as somebody moving here relatively soon? Um, they couldn't. It couldn't hurt to add a winger, but I always say that. But I feel like. They just tended to stand pat more than make any huge moves, and I, but I don't know. With Pacioretty, I'm really like I, they got to do something, right? What do you think? I think they have to go out and get a guy. But the problem is, and yeah. you remember this from from covering the team, uh, there, <laughs> there's a certain there's a certain pattern in which Tom Dundon goes about what kind of contracts he wants to bring bring on, right? So uh, where, where mm-hmm. I'm okay with a rental, it seems that Dundon and Rod Brindamore are not cool with a rental. How do you see it? I think at some point you got to be okay with a rental, especially maybe that was what the holdup was in the Bo Horvat situation, just speculation there. But obviously they weren't going to re-sign him if they got him and it would have been a rental. So I don't know. Sometimes you got to look at your team and this team is really good and has the chance to contend and be like, okay, let me just put all my chips in one basket eggs in one basket chips on the table for one season but i get it i get why they haven't because who can argue with these results (laughs) sarah sivian bleacher report open ice too many men pod joining us here on the og alongside joe Giglio. i'm joe ovias canes are back in action tonight before the all-star break you're down in miami for the all-star game and then we got the stadium series which we'll get to in a second all right last thing about the carolina hurricanes and like you said, the, the results are the results, but the results are regular season results. Um, I mm-hmm. understand that winning in the postseason is difficult, but you can kind of see the teams that go further have a little bit of a different edge uh, or their best players end up stepping up and being their best yeah. players. I get that was the offseason move to bring on a Brent Burns or a Max Pacioretty, but without Pacioretty, you're left there uh, with this situation. So how do, how do you view the Canes? Over the last couple of years and, you know, the roadblocks they ran into the postseason, and did they really truly address those in the offseason based on what you're seeing so far? It's always going to come back to the Copenhagen signing and the cost of that, right, which kind of stinks for Copenhagen because he's not doing anything wrong. It's just not living up to the price in the term. But I kept thinking they got to get Stastny going, and he's been pretty good his past few games. So I'd like to see more of him. But if you want to err on the side of caution, I feel like, one more lethal scorer would be great. Marty Natchez going to crash the All-Star Party finally oh just God. to make a point or what? I wish. I've interviewed <laughs> him for days. He's my favorite. I, I'm riding on that Marty train. I feel like he's finally breaking out. What is it? Like, how many goals does he have in this last six? It might be five. He scored with that 11-second slash. Mm-hmm. He is a thrill. He's so fun to watch, and I'm proud of him because it's been a tough path, you know? Sarah Sivian. She's with Bleacher Report, Open Ice, and it's Too Many Men Pod. We appreciate it. So have fun at the All-Star Game. We're going to see you at the Stadium Series? Oh, I wish. I was thinking about it. I was right on the fence, but there's just a lot going on for me that month. But I'm going to try to get Rod on the podcast here. I don't know if he's 
thrilled about that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make it happen. So. I was gonna say you're I'm there. United. You're there. He's coaching. I mean, why wouldn't you want to talk exactly. to you? Come on, Siv. Stars of, or I'll make Stetch do a magic trick. I did buy a pack of cards, <laughs> and I'm ready for him. Sarah, appreciate it. Take it easy. <laughs> Always love catching up with Sarah Sivian. So, with the Stadium Series game on February 18th, there's a couple daily reminders we're going to give you at this time. Would you like the weather report, Joe, or the current get-in price? For... Uh, it's a little gloomy tonight, so let's let, hit me with some weather. All right. So, yesterday's weather report was 67, a high of 67 and a 62% chance of rain. 62. Today's forecast, a high of 60 with a 20% chance of rain. What happened? It's called forecasting this many days out is a foolish endeavor. Okay, but, but we'll I do it anyway. Track. <laughs> I want to keep track. So, again, yesterday was a high of 67 with a 62% chance of rain. Today is a high of 60, low of 37 with a 20% chance of rain. Sounds like North Carolina. Can't yeah, Look, man, it's going to be a spring of deception that day. I'm guaranteeing it. That's my call. It's going to be 70 degrees on the stadium series night, which not a terrible idea, by the way. Just no rain. As far as the get-in price on StubHub right now for the Stadium Series, one ticket's going to cost you 260 bucks. That's Section 9, still Section 9, row double A. Not a terrible What's seat. the number now? 260. Okay. Section 9. That's with row double fees A. Fees or before fees? That is before fees. Ah, so 300. So it's like 300 bucks. Yeah. Ticketmaster, uh, they, again, the NHL is releasing tickets. Corporate holds, those types of things. And if you buy a standard ticket, not a resale ticket, it's going to cost you three twenty-five. As of today. Parking went live, by the way. If you have tickets it's already. It's gone already, right? No, no, no. no oh, that's okay. fine. You have to have the link. So if you've, if you've purchased tickets, you should have gotten the link today. And you should be able to buy your parking. It's 40 bucks. I got my parking today. Did you get your parking? You're a smart man. Did you get your parking? No. Nope. I didn't get a link because I didn't officially buy tickets. Yeah, so. that's a good point. That's a good point. We're, you and I are still counting on those uh, media badges. Uh, Otherwise, I'll be in the parking lot. That's fine. I'll, I'll tailgate. Uh, maybe I'll join you. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be in the parking lot anyway. We're doing a show from out there. We that are. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Next up. One, two, three. The ACC football schedule came out last night. Includes some interesting matchups, Joe Ovius including Notre Dame coming to Raleigh. Hopefully there will not be a hurricane on September 9th. NC State's got a pair of Friday night games, Joe, Mm -hmm. including the first one that they will play at home on a Friday night. That is not the day after Thanksgiving. That made me think of our old friend Steve Logan today. North Carolina's schedule as... I hit hit up Steve Logan today. Say, hey, thought of you when I saw those uh, Friday night games for NC State. And I can, I'm not going to repeat what he texted me back. You cannot. No. Uh, North Carolina's schedule is kind of top-heavy in that six of the first seven games are either at home or in the state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then those last three games in particular, they've got Duke in Chapel Hill. Then they go to Clemp, and then they finish the season with NC State. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that transfer quarterback Brennan Armstrong gets to go to Virginia. He does. A lot of rematches. We get Sam Hartman, you know, with Notre Dame coming back, playing against Wake Forest, and we do get that Brennan Armstrong against Virginia. Oh, we also get the Pitt kid, the BC kid playing Pitt, because he's at Pitt and they're playing BC. So here's the thing about Carolina's schedule. Mac Brown, during one of his most recent 
Yesterday. Press event. Was it yesterday? Yeah. Man, I've lost track of time. So yesterday, they're talking about their transfer class and some other things. and, and um, Their new cornerback coach. Coordinator, their new coordinator. Yeah. So I'm like, cool. But he said, hey, be on the lookout for the schedule release tomorrow. It's unfair, and you'll see why. So I'm thinking, oh, man, what did they do? Like, is this the great – is there somebody in the ACC office with a sense of humor that's going to give Carolina nothing but Atlantic teams as, like, a final prove it? After so many years in the Coastal, I don't know. what. How bad could it be? What's so unfair about this? So look at the schedule. They open up the year at Bank of America Stadium. Perfect for Drake May. They're taking on South Carolina again. You know, we, we, there's a separate conversation about the number of times that South Carolina's ruined the start of a season for a triangle team, but whatever. We've seen it before. They're home against App State, home against Minnesota. They go on the road to Pitt before an open date on September 30th. Then they're home for three more weeks, Syracuse, Miami, Virginia, before they go on the road at Georgia Tech. So that is, for the better part of two months, you going on the road once, okay? I don't see what the issue is. And then they come back from Georgia Tech, and they take on Campbell. Like, what's the problem, Mac? I don't, I'm, not get, I'm not seeing it. And then I saw it. Ah. Versus Duke. On the road at Clemson, and then you close out the season at NC State. So that is your toughest game at Clemson, sandwiched between two rivalry games. Now I see why Mac Brown is annoyed and why he said it was unfair. That is not an ideal way to close out the season. I'm sure Mac Brown probably wanted that Campbell game squeezed in there, but obviously that request was not granted. That's how they've been setting up their schedule of, as of late, and they've had that one double A opponent. Their last, their final non conference game has been the penultimate week of the season. Look, I I could see if Mac was frustrated by a request. It's it's not a guarantee, no. But I do think the league, for the most part, grants a team like NC State, for example, will ask on an annual basis. Hey, we don't want to be home during the state fair, and and they grant that request. There mm-hmm. there's a lot of requests like that. Um, but no, you can't request like a week off before you play Clemson or a week off after you play Clemson. There, there, there's confines to your request. But I could see him being frustrated if the request was not met. Sure, but, you know, a couple things. Mac Brown's not the first coach to have a request not granted, and he's not the first coach to complain about said request not being granted. I mean, if you want to kick it old school, let's go back to Chuck Amato, who was understandably mad that he didn't want to go to Wake Forest before they took on Ohio State in Phillip Rivers' senior season, back, right? Back in the day of cut blocks. True. <laughs> and look, we all understand that Wake Forest is a house of horrors for NC State, but... No, it started with that it game, It started though. there. <laughs> That's the thing. you got to remember the context here. It started there. So Chuck was mad, and he complained about it after the game, and I'm sure Mac will complain about it at the end of the season, depending on how things go. But that gets to my larger point. Mac Brown came back to make North Carolina... A serious contender in the ACC. And the one thing that does bother me about the ACC is either you're about that life or you're not about that life. This is something that Jim Phillips, ACC commissioner, in a recent column from Luke DeCock of the News and Observer, apparently there's been guidance given to ACC schools about not scheduling these home-and-homes against group of five opponents. I see where Jim Phillips' larger point comes from. If the ACC is going to up their television deal, if they're going to be taken seriously as a football conference, they can't be scheduling these group of five games, especially going on the road, which is a disaster potential that we've seen play out countless times. But here's where I'll disagree with Jim Phillips. 
I'm okay with those group of five games if they're within your state and North Carolina is unique. I want North Carolina and App State to play. I want NC State to go up the mountain. All right. I want State and ECU to play. I want North Carolina and ECU to play because it's good for business. It's good for fans. These are the games that people want to see. Because let's be honest about these football programs. They're not really contending for a college football playoff spot. So give us the stuff that people want. Give us the stuff that actually has sizzle for 98% of college football programs. And that's games within the state. Do the home and homes. That's the only thing I'll push back on with Jim Phillips. But ultimately, it comes back to the axiom you love to preach when it comes to football, right? You about that life? Then be about it. Well, being about that life includes having a tough stretch of games that has two rivals and at Clemson. So we know how this is going to play out, right? It's going to be interesting. You know, they got Drake May. I I think they could really start the season based on that schedule and put up a good start. Now, South Carolina is going to have a good team. Last time they played South Carolina was down in the Mayo Bowl and they lost. I mean, they they got outclassed in that game. So that's not a walk by any stretch of the imagination. But they have a real chance with that schedule to start the season really well. Next up. And I don't even care who number two is. So we've got new coaching hires. Looks like Sean Payton's going to go to the Denver Broncos. The New Orleans Saints are going to get some draft picks, and they're going to give back a draft pick in 2024, a third rounder for Sean Payton. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Meanwhile, the Houston Texans have hired D'Amico Ryans away from the San Francisco 49ers, which means that the 49ers have an open position for their defensive coordinator spot. According to various reports, Steve Wilkes, who didn't get the Panthers' job, the Panthers were asked for permission to talk to Steve Wilkes since he's still under contract. We'll see where that goes, which gets us to the top story of the day. The Panthers went with Frank Reich. He was introduced today, and he's got four pillars of success. Next. Oh, Spy Hunter. Now we're talking. Man. I did play that game. I was terrible at it, too. Man, I sank so many quarters into that game. Quick story. It's a place called Mr. Grocer in Boca Raton. Off of... uh, I could smell the, the carpeting. Yeah, it was off of Camino Real and 18th Street. All right. Smell the cigarette smoke. Yes. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Anyway, I got so addicted to that game, and my parents stopped giving me quarters that I got into my dad's stash of European coins. Did they work? I Wrong found the, or I found the ones. I found the ones. Nice. Yeah, the problem was I was there when I wasn't supposed to be there, and my bike got stolen, and I couldn't explain that one away. Whoa. Yeah, I was like, my bike got stolen. How? Where were you? Well, I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be uh, after I got into your crown royal bag of European coins. <laughs> what was he more mad at? I uh, was more mad about the bike. Bike? Yeah, because it was a nice bike. It was a trek. So, oh, well. Lesson learned, right? You're a kid. You can do some dumb things. Carolina Panthers introduced Frank Reich as their head coach today. And Frank Reich has four pillars of success. You know, we got to be like this. We're together every day. We got to, with, along with Mr. Tepper, come up with the blueprint of what this team is going to look like and who we're going to be. So really excited to work with Scott. Class act. We're going to fit together perfect as I'm getting to know him. His expertise um, is going to be a a great asset to me and to our team. And so looking forward to that partnership. 
Uh, and then of course with Dan Morgan, his assistant, we, uh, I go back a little bit with him uh, and Samir and, uh, and then even working with Nicole on the business side and Christy Coleman on the business side. For us, that's, that's a very important part of it as well. So it's about ownership, it's about the players. That's the second pillar. The first is the ownership. You gotta have the right ownership to get championships. You gotta have the right players. I'm ex really excited about the roster that we have and the roster that we're gonna continue to build. This is what it's all about for me. It's about the relationship and the connection with the players. We give trust to each other right away, but then we continue to gain trust in each other as we work through and go through this journey together. And then it's about the coaches. Um, you know, one of the things that Mr. Tepper made clear is we're going to get the best of the best. He's willing to help support that effort, you know, to get so that we get the best, not only the best, but, but the best for our team. So we have the right mix of coaches. Um, and we will have a great coaching staff. And then lastly, that fourth pillar, it's about the fans. I mean, we're at that time of the year. There's nothing like seeing a football stadium rocking. When a team is having success and when we're giving the community reasons to be excited about, it'll be a special time to be in that stadium and to be walking around the city wearing, wearing the Panthers logo. Are you inspired by the four pillars, Joe? Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait. Nah, today doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. You know, I... Frank Reich, 61 years old, still calling him Mr. Tepper. That's odd. Uh, that yeah, kind of jumps out at me. There's pillars, and there's a little bit of like big uh, cross high school cross-country coach energy to some of that today. Do you and find it fine. strange that David Tepper, who's 64 years old, is being referred to as Mr. Tepper by a 61-year-old? Yeah. 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 If they had hired Aaron Matson and she said Mr. Tepper at 23, I'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah, that, yeah, that you know, I sense. get it. She's being respectful. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm just like, we're peers. You want to call if she says Mr. Cunningham, yes, I got it. <laughs> No, I, I'm getting sidetracked there. L listen, today's not going to matter when, when the season opens. What matters is who's going to call the plays and who's going to be the quarterback. And, and I do agree with Frank Reich. I do think there are some good pieces here on defense. There he, are. He talked about how the defense is the, is the special sauce that kind of makes it go. And I do think they have some good parts. I think they have good parts on offense too, Joe. I think DJ Moore was somebody who was criminally underused this year. I think Deontay Foreman was someone that Steve Wilkes correctly identified after the trade of Christian McCaffrey and said – this guy's an NFL back. Mm -hmm. He's a good player. We could ride him a little bit, and I thought they did a great job with that. You know, the great they made a great pick in Ikiakuanu last year. You got that going for you. Well, Fitterer's got to hit another homer here, though, with the with the ninth pick. That's the thing, and, and they got to make the best of the of the chances that they have. I do think they'll have more choices at quarterback in free agency and in trades. I think this, there's more options this this year than you know the damaged goods of Baker Mayfield or or the. Uh, um, uh, challenged mentally issues with uh sam darnold you know mm -hmm. that he had just kind of getting out of his own way in new york um so you know there's a, there's there's a way here to get out and get back into the playoffs but it is going to require fixing the quarterback position i'm in agreement with you uh, david with frank reich and david tepper and they can say all the right things and Somebody clearly got to David Tepper about, hey, let's let's go about this press conference a little bit differently, especially considering that Steve Wilkes is going to be a point of conversation, right? But going forward for the Carolina Panthers, it didn't matter who they named head coach today. It wasn't. It did not matter who they introduced today, honestly, if they're not going to get the quarterback position right. If they get the quarterback position right and they still can't get something out of it, well, then you go back to coaching. First things first, you got to get the QB. And, and Frank Wright said something that we'll hear on the other side that made me kind of go, uh -oh. um, Frank, it's 2023, man. We'll discuss next.
Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. And he talked about needing to get the QB situation right. But what kind of QB is Frank Reich looking for? He said something today that got my spidey senses tingling because apparently he doesn't want the quarterback to be too mobile now. At some level, even those guys, and we're and Mr. Tepper and Scott and I talked about this, you got to have a guy that can win from the pocket. We're not going to drop back. If we have one of those guys, we won't drop back 50 times. But you got to drop back 10 times. It's third and 10. And the game is on the line. You got to be. You probably are playing from the pocket, so we can develop that as well. You want to be able to uh, understand who you're drafting, or understand who you're acquiring. Continue to develop them as a player. We can all get better. I can be better as a coach. They can become better as a player, whether we're you know, signing a guy or drafting a guy. Um, but ultimately, that's the challenge, and that's the that's the excitement of it. That's Frank Reich, head coach, Carolina Panthers, introduced today. My my only quibble is we can look at this most recent playoff run. We can look at the prior playoff runs. We can look at who the top quarterbacks are in the league. Athleticism. Like, the 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 door is broken open. We kind of accept that this is what it is. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow is on the same level. Josh Allen, you and I have talked about this, Joe, he might have some turnover issues, but the big reason for the Bills' success is because they had designed things to take advantage of Josh Allen's athleticism on the on the flip side right we've been talking about AFC quarterbacks you look at Jalen Hurts and how they've been successful this year Lamar Jackson is going to secure some bank this offseason one way or the other because of his athleticism so this idea that well you know you get the pocket the pocket I mean that's a given right now it's how are you going to utilize their athleticism that's been the key to the success offensively yeah, I mean the most difficult thing for a defense to contain is a mobile quarterback yes because he mentions third and ten well how many times have we seen Russell Wilson in this area mm-hmm. on third and ten pick up a first down Drake right. May last year when the heels were running hot he had the ability to scramble and extend drives you know it's it's just the talent that you can't teach. And it's one really that you can't defend because in the NFL, you really can't afford a spy. You know, a linebacker needs to be in coverage or they need to be coming after the quarterback. You just can't really afford to leave somebody out there and be a spy. Check us out on YouTube. Look up 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Sounds like it's, it's some pure moots to this, yeah. Definitely some pure moots. It was the it was the it was the boss music that went hard, super hard. Anyway, so you played as Axel? Axel, yes, thank you. I played as Axel. That was my guy. Because you you, you double tapped in the direction you wanted to, and the punchy would do this like essentially like the Street Fighter. Um, the not not the Hadouken. But anyway, that was the Hadouken was the fireball. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I get I'm go I'm going off on a tangent here. Let's get back to let's get back to ACC hoops tonight. Uh, Wake Forest is at Cameron Indoor Stadium in just about over an hour. Wake Forest got the best of Duke 
in Winston-Salem. We'll see if Duke holds serve at home. But that's kind of been the story of Duke's season. Uh, they've been better at home than they have been on the road. They are coming off doubling up on Georgia Tech. I think that says more to, about Georgia Tech than it does Duke because Duke still has the same issues that we know them to have consistently on offense. It's just not there. Kyle Filipowski has certainly turned into their main guy, and they've overcome some injury issues. For instance, Jeremy Roach has slowly come back into the lineup. They're not going to have Derek Whitehead tonight. But I'll say this about Duke, and the one thing that you and I have gone back and forth about this entire college basketball season, there's nobody that's so overwhelming right now that Duke can't muck up a win or two in the NCAA tournament. That Duke plays a hard enough style of defense, and they're big enough that they can pose some problems going forward, even with an inconsistency of scoring. I mean, I would be stunned if Duke survived the first weekend of the tournament. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I think John Shire's done a really good job. This is not the team he thought he was going to have. Yeah. With the injuries to Whitehead and Lively. So mm-hmm. I, I get all that. But who's the pro on the team? You know, yeah, don't have sometimes one. you get to the tournament, you play who's the pro. Yeah. Now, Carolina did that last year with. They might not have. They might not have had one on that team either. Uh, so was, it can happen. About, I was just about to ask you, who's the pro in the Sarah so it, Carolina squad? So it can happen. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's experience. That's a group playing together. That's a yeah. that's an older player last year, yeah. Brady Manick, really coming on down the stretch. So, uh, to your point, there's nobody out there that I'm sitting here going, "Wow, that's that team is completely and totally unbeatable." Mm-hmm. Right? You look at Purdue. You said Duke's got size. If Duke's a nine and they win their first round game and they got to play Purdue, hey, roll it out there and see what happens. I, I I'm with you on that front. You know, I mean, we're talking about what this year: Houston, Purdue, Alabama. Alabama and Carolina played a five overtime game, right? Yeah. Or a four overtime game. Yeah, Alabama and what Nate Oates is doing is usually viewed as you know one of the top teams out. There. Talented team has a good team, but again, yeah. to your point. Alabama's 1 or 1A, and, well, Carolina was right there with them. Wake Forest beat Duke 81-70 back on December 20th. So it's it's been quite some time. Uh, that was a game there that really wasn't that competitive either. No. Because Duke, Duke's really not. kind of struggled until last week. I thought the fight at Virginia Tech was a great sign for John Shire. Mm-hmm. Then you can dismiss what they did to Georgia Tech as uh, Georgia Tech's got issues. I'd rather say the way that they just dismantled them says does say something about Duke to me that they were able to play that way on the road also getting Roach back I, th- I think kind of balances out their lineup too it's also important to note in that Wake Forest Duke game that there was no Derek Lively there was no Derek Whitehead again no Whitehead tonight Lively's trying to find that role on this team he's had his spots uh, and I think that's probably my biggest takeaway we're, we're about to hit February we're about to hit Duke Carolina on Saturday and I still don't know what half of these teams in the ACC are really about or developing. You know, West Durham likes to make this point to us all the time. Everybody was hand-wringing about UNC before they finally gelled and became the team that we saw go on a run. Yeah, don't forget, they got blown out of their own gym last year yep. by Duke. Yep. So I don't know I, I don't know if this Duke, came as cap- this Duke team is capable of doing that. I'm simply saying that we really haven't seen this Duke team in all of its pieces really together for a good chunk of the year. Will they eventually get that opportunity? I don't know. It kind of depends on Derek Whitehead's health. We might not. Do I wish I knew? Also, there's John Shire and how he coaches. 
right about now, we kind of know what Coach K would be doing. We know what that lineup would look like. It gets tighter and tighter yeah. and tighter, right? That's what I'm saying. I think John has done a good job doing it his own way this season. Yeah. And also kind of tinkering with some different players and different lineups and still trying to – and still – He tinkers within the game. And still has the team in position to make the NCAA tournament. That That's what – that's the grade we should be looking at, not the Duke standard. Meanwhile, with Wake Forest, we saw in their loss to NC State and DJ Burns getting on them um, – there's a there's a toughness factor on the inside that I don't know if Wake Forest has, and that's one thing sure. that that's one thing that Duke I think consistently has done throughout the year, and Wake Forest needs this too. They're on a four game losing streak right now in league play. I'm sorry, a three game losing streak. They want to avoid a four game losing streak, having lost again two good teams in the league. Don't get me wrong, losing to Virginia, losing to Pittsburgh, losing to NC State. There's nothing necessarily bad about that, but Wake Forest has entered into the realm that some NC State fans are wondering this week. NC State will be back in action tomorrow against Florida State, 9 o'clock, and then they host Georgia Tech on Saturday at 1 o'clock. This is the classic NC State week of, A, pack, don't do anything dumb, all right? You've got some good wins. Right now you'd be an NCAA tournament team, but don't do anything stupid, and I do think that would be the case losing to, you know, roughly 200-level teams, according to Ken Bob. But going back to last year, North Carolina lost at home to Pitt, and I tried to tell you up and down that it wasn't going to – affect them yeah and their status in the ncaa tournament i was right but you have to do other things you know i think nc state's in a situation where it would have surprised it would not surprise me at all if they lost to florida state florida state is athletic as all get out and they're deep mm-hmm. you always know that with leonard hamilton mm-hmm. georgia tech's a team that's had their number played them tough down in atlanta you know and then they got boston college they go to syracuse you know there, there's some games out there that they're probably going to lose in my opinion, what NC State needs to do, they need to get the game back from Clemson here in Raleigh, yep. and they need to get the game back from Carolina here in Raleigh. If they get those two things, I think they'll be fine heading into Greensboro where don't do the thing where you just go to Greensboro and not show up. Yeah. Meanwhile, North Carolina is back in action tomorrow against Pitt before they go to Cameron Indoor Stadium. That's and that's a run-it-back game. They lost up there. Mm-hmm. I, I think Hubert's been pretty good in those situations, and I think they will be good on Wednesday. My curiosity going into the Carolina Duke game though is what's the mindset for the Tar Heels right I mean, last year the mindset of the Tar Heels going to Cameron Indoor Stadium was hey man pressure's all on them and it and and Hubert worked that to a T it was successful what's that mindset now Carolina's the one that had the expectations yeah, you, this year or has say, the expectations but you say the same year. thing hey we found ourselves last year in this game we can do it again this is where you do it again for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.